Welcome to New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast, the podcast for serious soccer players and their supporters to help further their development and navigate their way throughout their soccer careers. And now, here's your host, Matt Langoni. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. Today I'll be joined in studio by Canton, Massachusetts High School Boys Soccer Head Coach Danny Erickson who is now in his 30th season at the helm. Danny, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Matt, thank you for having me. appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks so much for being here. I know it's a busy time of year. Now we're in September, if we can believe that. That's crazy, and season's just about to start. Yeah, the summer flew by. We've been uh, at it, high school sports here in Massachusetts for the last couple of weeks, so we're excited. Wow, wow. You're a great guest to have here because um, you're coming off a historic season at Canton last year. Got all the way to the, the Division II state championship game. Um You've been there 30 years, like we said. You've, you've had some great seasons along the way, but what was so special about last year's group? Uh, last year was just a great uh, combination of personalities and soccer talents. Um, we were really fortunate, you know, in high school, we, uh, you know, public high schools, for, for sure, we don't in any way really get to pick who our kids are, you know. They're kids who live in your community and grow up in your community and, and come to your high school, so... Um, Things can get pretty cyclical, especially at a smaller school like ours. Um, and last year, it was just kind of a little bit of magic all at once. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't all uh, positive. Uh, it wasn't all wins. You know, we we struggled a bit to find our way, particularly early and and in the month of September was a little bit of a roller coaster ride. And then we really settled in and and uh, kind of found our groove and got some confidence and kind of hit it right at the at the right time heading into the state tournament. So it was. Um, it was a, a collection of a bunch of really, um, you know, great kids um, from a lot of different backgrounds, and it just made it really special. Was the team last year, was it, was it really senior-oriented? Did you have a lot of leadership? Is that what factored into it, or was it just young players who were super talented? Or? Yeah, it was, you know, it was a, co- like I said, it was a combination. I can't, you know, we started seven seniors last year, but I wouldn't say that we were, you know, senior-laden. Um, a lot of our contributors were younger guys. Um, and really one thing I've, I have found in high school sports in general is having those back to back classes that are really strong, um, often lead to success. I'm the athletic director at Canton high school as well. I've watched a lot of sports at Canton high really flourish when they have those senior junior years back to back when, you know, you've got the senior experience and you've, you might have that junior, you know, extra talent and you throw those two things together. And, and you know, that's really, I think, what we had last year. Um, and like I said, I mean, high school sports to me is all about uh, how you react to, um, you know, setbacks and challenges. And uh, last year we, we had quite a few early on in the season, uh, had had a, a really tough loss in the middle of the year, and the guys really rallied after that and, and kind of said, you know, we're not going to accept that and, and we're going to have higher expectations of ourselves and a higher standard and um, really took off uh, once, we, once we made it to the state tournament. We're going to talk about a lot of the interesting things happening with Massachusetts high school soccer. We'll get into the, the statewide tournament that they have now that's, that's brand new and the power rankings and all that stuff, but I did – Still want to talk a little bit more about your team last year. Um, what was the when you lost that state championship game? I think it was a two nothing, yep. two nothing loss. What, what was the mindset of the of the kids? Were they? I mean, obviously, when you lose a championship, you you inherently you're going to feel heartbreak. But did they take a step back 
after that game and realize what they accomplished? I absolutely think so. Um, you know, soccer is a, a, a funny sport. You know, um, you, you need a lot of good things to happen uh, to, to win a tournament game and to win four of them on the road, um, you know, isn't an accident. So, um, I mean, our boys, I think, even to this day, still talk and think about the journey we went on. Uh, and I think far less do any of us think about um, our loss to, to West Springfield, who was an excellent team in the state final. Um, it was funny. You know, I, I've been doing this, as you said, for like three decades. And, um, you know, that was really even that stage for me as a coach uh, in that moment uh, was big. And I feel like I didn't handle that stage as well as I'd like to handle that stage. Um, so I really, I could really empathize with our kids who I think, I think collectively none of us were on our A game that day. I think we were all caught up a little bit in the moment. That's funny. It's because like you mentioned, you've been doing it for so long, but that's a whole different perspective. I mean, there's your first round state tournament games, then there's the state championship. Absolutely. And, and again, we, when you're playing in a game where, you know, it's the last game, no matter what happens, like that's usually not a thing, you know, usually, usually, okay, if we lose, we're done. Um, but, uh, to have a game like that, where, you know, it's all the stakes, um, it was, uh, it was certainly quite the, quite the experience. You mentioned you guys have been practicing now for a little bit, uh, leading into this, the, the season opener, which is coming up. Um, what would you say is kind of the mindset of the guys coming into camp this year, the returning players who are around, is there like a sense of unfinished business that they, you know, this hunger to get back to where they were, what, how are they approaching yeah, I think I think uh, I can't speak for each of our guys, obviously, um, but certainly, you know, there's a general feeling of hey, you know, there's more out there, um, and at the at the same time, I think we all took a lesson out of last year, which was I, I I don't think we went into the state tournament as the 21 seed thinking okay, let's go win a state championship, <laughs> and and I don't I know that sounds. You know, maybe not what you want to hear your coach say, but in retrospect, I think we were just taking it one day at a time and one game at a time. And, um, you know, ironically, I thought uh, there was no more difficult game that we had last year in the state tournament than the first round game when we lost to Woburn. I mean, when we beat Woburn, um, they were um, they were a very, very good side. And, um, you know, we played a great game uh, to come out of there with a win. So I think we were just taking it one day at a time. And, you know, I, I don't think as we as we look at this year, uh, I think we're going to do the same thing. Yeah, you mentioned 21 seed out of a, a 39-team field last year in Division Two. I, I guess you wouldn't quite call that a Cinderella run, but you were right there kind of in the middle of, of the team. So going into it, um, did you still feel like, at your top level with the team you had last year, though, did you feel like you had a chance to, to do something special in the state tournament? Oh, 100%. 100%. I, I definitely believed that we were a team that could be one of the teams that's there in the end. Uh, we just would certainly need to, to have a lot of things go right uh, and come together at the right time, and I, and I, I really think we did that. Really think we, I mean, it took a penalty shootout uh, for us to win in the, in the state semifinal against a great East Longmeadow team. Um, and when you get to penalties, as you know, I mean, it's, it's you know, anybody's game. So, um, yeah. What was the travel like in those state tournament games? Because, you know, back in the old days, or the old days, a couple of years ago, before they started doing the statewide tournament, you were kind of sticking with teams within your region and you weren't going on these long uh, bus rides. But what, what was that whole travel ordeal like for the team? I thought it was, uh, it was awesome. 
um, we we were really proud. We kind of uh, wear it like a badge of honor that we we were the um, we were the, the team in the state that I can find. I can't find anybody else who traveled further in the state tournament. Wow. We, I think we traveled six hundred or seven hundred miles um, <laughs> to and from our games. Wow. Uh, it was a pretty remarkable thing. And, and, you know, you want home games, you want that home crowd behind you. And yet the reality was, I don't think anybody on our team would have traded in that journey. Uh, and to be able to say we basically traveled all over the state uh, to go do that. I, I, I as Again, I, I, in 30 years, um, we see a lot of the same teams uh, year after year in the state tournament. And uh, last year we played five teams that we have never played in the history of our program. Um, I mean, that's pretty cool to me that we went out. I mean, kudos to the MIA for creating a, a really cool tournament uh, that, that allowed a team like Canton uh, to go out and play five schools in the state that, that we have never, ever played before. I mean, that's a pretty cool thing. How, how do you scout those teams? Is there is there an exchange of, of films with those with the coaches? Because, yeah, I mean, like there's no way you would be able to keep tabs on an Agawam during the course of your season like you would another team from the Hockamock. So. Sure. Sure. I mean, it's, it's um, you know, like a lot of things during COVID that we got out of COVID that we kept that were positive. Yeah. One of them is film. <laughs> There's surprisingly a lot of things that came out. Of yeah, COVID no, we talk about, we talk, I was talking about that with my boys the other day. There's just a lot more film out there for everybody. Uh, again, it applies to all high school sports. Um, there was a really big need for high schools to provide uh, live stream and footage for uh, parents and friends and everybody who couldn't go to games. Uh, in many cases, um, we forget that back in the in the heyday of that, um, it was really serious, and we were not we were not allowed uh, to have fans at a lot of our games. So we live streamed a lot. A lot of high schools did, and as a result, um, a lot of us kept doing a lot of that afterwards. You know, now we get, it kind of became an expectation of what we do. So um, yeah, as far as scouting, uh, I spent many, many, many hours. Um, you know, finding footage on YouTube, on local, uh, a lot of local cable companies in certain areas uh, put out great productions of high school soccer games. Um, so we were able to find things pretty easily. And we, we got film on every single school that we were playing out west. I know as it relates to the, the statewide tournament, one of the biggest concerns going in was like, okay, my high school's in Rockport, Mass, and we're supposed to go to like Pittsfield to, to play a game. You yep. know, that, that was the main concern. Do you feel like there are still whispers of people who don't like the travel Ab- aspect? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I wouldn't even call them whispers. I mean, <laughs> I think there are still people that really miss the sectional component of it. Um, I, you know, I, I, um, I, I just, I personally, speaking for myself, I think it was a great experience. And, and um, you know, most of the games, by the time you're in the state tournament, most of these schools have lights. Uh, very few kids are getting out of school too early. It's not like we're... You know, there were fears of, oh, my goodness, if we're traveling to here and there, we're going to have to get kids out of school at 9 o'clock in the morning. I'm not saying there's not a lot of that. See, that was always the best part. I remember my senior year, we had, a game. we had a game at Cambridge, a state tournament game, and it was at, like, the game was a 2 o'clock game, so we got dismissed at 1230 or yeah, something. Yeah, no. We felt like big shots. The kids game. love it. Uh, yeah. The kids love it on the, uh, you know, loudspeaker all of a sudden, you know, oh, yeah. with, the, with the boys. That's me. I got to go. That's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> so there wasn't a ton of that, um, I don't think. Um, so, again, kudos to the MIA. I thought just the experience for the kids to be able to travel all over the state was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you feel like there's staying power with this statewide tournament, or do you feel like are are, are more people in favor of it than aren't 
than aren't in favor of it? I think so. Yeah. You know, we don't, you know, we certainly don't have polls out there to show that. Right. Um, but I, I think so. I, I mean, I, um, I've been in an athletic director role for quite a while and have been pretty involved uh, both at the soccer committee level at the MIA uh, and just as an athletic director. Um, and I really, I really think that overall – uh, there's support for a statewide tournament and this concept. I really do. Tweaking, I think, will continue to take place, and I think the MIA has said that that's what they're going to do. You know, I, I do think I do think some areas need a little bit more look than others, uh, particularly the the power ranking system, which is how we seed the state tournament. Mm-hmm. I mean, real qu- quickly, uh, Matt. Um, historically, forever, uh, this you, you qualify for the state tournament by winning fifty percent or more of your contests, or being a league champ, or a couple other ways. Um, and then you are seeded with all the other schools strictly by your record. So it doesn't matter who you play or when you play or how many games you play. You're simply seeded by the, your record, your winning percentage. Um, it's an issue. It doesn't really properly reflect a, a, an accurate seed. And the MIA recognized that. And they worked f- for several years right through COVID to try to come up with a good, uh, a good alternative. Um, and I think they got really close. This is my own personal opinion. I think they got close. I, I do think that there's a little too much stress. Um, this is my opinion. This is my school's opinion and my league's opinion, the Hockamock League, that um, there's a little too much stress on the margin of victory in these games. Um, it does matter in this system. It actually matters quite a bit how much uh, you win or lose by. Um, and I think you just have to be careful in high school sports when you start introducing that. We're in educational athletics we have to be real mindful of uh, sportsmanship, and we have to certainly be mindful of playing time for kids. Uh, those are all things that are challenged a little bit by having margin of victory uh, in the um, in the equation. Did you notice or hear about any you know prevalence of, of teams running up scores or something because of that fact? Did you did you was it like so obvious that that was a thing? Yeah. So in defense of the MIA on that. Um, they did, it's not like they're rewarding somebody in soccer for winning five, ten, for, for, for winning ten nothing. They have a, um, a maximum number of goals in soccer, which is three. Which, um, so if you, if you were to beat somebody or lose to somebody five to zero, um, the score would actually be reflected as a three, a plus three margin of victory. Um, and with that, that really does help. But really what, it, what I think it's done and what I've seen it do um, is it's turned a maximum victory uh, into a three-goal victory. So if I'm coaching, I'm more – if I'm a typical coach, I'm more likely to try to win by three than to win by one. Now, now no one's trying to win by one or win by three. You're trying to win. Um, but now that you, 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 you make there an, an incentive to win by at least three, uh, it, it certainly it – is, it is impacting things. New England's soccer journal's The Goal will return after this. Hey, here's a great new idea in fundraising. Soccerhead's New England Comedy Fundraisers. This is better than a stand-up show. It's an event that your community will never forget. You'll get soccer-themed comedy with Paul Nardizzi, who has been on Conan O'Brien, and Nesson Comedy All-Stars, along with Dave Radigan from Serious Radio Comedy, and Jim Ruberti. There will also be giveaways and all sorts of extras. Want to make money for your soccer club and have fun while doing it? Email the guys at SoccerHeadsNewEngland at gmail.com. That's SoccerHeadsNewEngland at gmail.com. 
Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England soccer? New England Soccer Journal and NESoccerJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England soccer scene. Have every issue of New England Soccer Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to NESoccerJournal.com to receive soccer coverage on clubs, college commits, prep and high school, division one, two, and three colleges, showcases, rankings, and so much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to anysoccerjournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Soccer Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful. Were there any teams last year with these power rankings in place? Did it eliminate any teams that thought they were deserving? I mean, were there teams that thought they were deserving of a state tournament spot but didn't? Were there any gripes or was it pretty much, you know, who was there deserved to be there? I think it was pretty much who was there deserved to yeah, be there. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, we, we were actually, you said actually that we were the 21 seed in this tournament. And, um, you know, again, kudos to the MIA because. Most of the, in the final four of all the divisions in the boys and girls soccer, um, that's a lot of teams, just about all of them were, were single-digit seeds. So the seeding process, the power ranking process was pretty accurate. Um, we were kind of an exception to that rule. Um, most of the seeds, there weren't a lot of Cinderella stories last, last fall. So that tells you the MIA is doing something right there. What's the best part, in your opinion, of the statewide tournament? Is it simply the fact that you're crowning a state champ. I mean, because I remember, you know, growing up in Eastern Mass, we always like to think, oh, the product's better out here in Eastern Mass than it is in Western Mass. But right. now you kind of have to put your money where your mouth is and figure out and see, can you beat those Western Mass teams? Can yeah. you beat those Central Mass teams? Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, um, we, we, played, um, we played three or four, basically four Central Mass teams out of the five teams we played in the state tournament last year. And the quality and the level was very, very high. Um, we, we played very, very well to compete uh, with those teams. So, um, yeah, we, we, uh, we think that experience is great. How is the, the Hawk Mock shaping up this year, you know, in terms of conference um, structure? I mean, who, who are some teams to beat? How do you feel like you guys are going to factor into the, the league standings? Yeah, um, the Hawk Mock is, is uh, broken up into two divisions. We're in the Davenport division, which uh, represents the six smaller size schools by population. Um, so that's where I really have our focus. Uh, we do play everyone in our league, but that's where we really focus. I mean, traditionally, over the last decade, really, Oliver Ames High School has been the, the boys' team to beat in the Davenport um, they've kind of set the bar uh, over the past decade, and that's certainly a team that will be very good this year. We'll 
we'll hear a lot from them. Um, but there are uh, we're we're really lucky to be in a league that keeps us on our toes every single game. Um, it, I, I mean it when I say it. Um, we have 18 games, and we, you know, we never ever believe that we can't win or lose any one of them. Um, you know, it's it's that competitive, and and the best teams in in our league uh, can fall and falter to some of the the teams that are struggling a little bit more, and vice versa. So that's our league. It's 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 tough every year. In your three decades coaching at Canton, who are some teams um, that you've just come to know as as soccer powers? You know, it could be your league, could be uh, in the region, could be you know across the state, anywhere. But who are some teams that you've really known are just soccer powers? Yeah, I mean, I I think there's some regionalness to it. Um, certainly, uh, the, the the Lexingtons, the Concord Carlisles of the world, up in that area, dual county league teams, yep, yeah, yeah, are very very dangerous. Um, you know, we, we focus on who are the teams that we might end up facing, um, like a Nosset Regional High School. Um, talk about a, a legacy down there. Uh, Coach McCulley's got a great legacy down there and, and a great product down there on the Cape. Um, yeah, lots of great programs in the South Shore, um, you know, from, from Higham, Higham to Marshfield to, to um, Pembroke, who's emerged. It's just a lot of great teams. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're just fortunate to be involved in them. Uh, you know, I coach in a league with um, a, a coach from Franklin who's, I believe, in his 52nd year as the head coach at Franklin High School. That's <laughs> Coach Besaitis, Fran Besaitis. He's can't imagine doing anything for that can one. Can you believe that? <laughs> That's unbelievable. Uh, he's an amazing guy uh, and uh, has earned 500 wins under him. Um, and uh, shout out to, to Coach Besaitis. Um, who kind of goes under the radar and has a great team every year. Yeah, that's phenomenal. How has your program changed over the last, you know, dozen, two, two dozen years? Uh, what things do you stress now that, you know, how have you kind of evolved with the way the game is being played right now? Yeah, I mean, um, you try to evolve as a coach in a lot of different categories. Um, I think I appreciate the, the mental side of what we do a lot more, the mental, uh, you know, social emotional side of what we do a lot more than I even understood 10 years ago. Um, as far as, you know, tactics, my goodness, there's just so much more soccer to consume now than there was 10 years ago. Um, you know, I, I was, I would always go to our, you know, the NC NSCAA conference every year for years and years because uh, that's where you could get all your resources uh, and improve. And, and now there's just so much everywhere on the TVs, et, et cetera. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I think tactically, you know, the game has changed a lot. We've seen it move from, you know, a very direct style of play to um, uh, a much more controlled possession game and now back into a, a bit of a transition game uh, where, you know, we've got such athletes that are, are fast and tough and strong that um, you're seeing less and less just, you know, uh, ticky-tack soccer um, and, and uh, you know, way more, way more, um, you know, penetration and uh, goal scoring. I thought you said something really important earlier when you said at a public school, you don't really control the talent you have coming in. It's not like you, there's no recruitment going on. It's whoever going to the school, that's your, that's the pool you have to work with. What are the most important things you try to do in like the first week of camp to kind of 
see what you have and, and kind of and, and coach them up in those early couple of weeks? Yeah, it's really hard. I mean, you know, uh, depending on the year, sometimes you don't have enough room for everybody that comes out for the team. Um, and, and you certainly have to, um, you know, look at everybody's skill set and at what they can bring to the team. Um, you know, and, and once your teams are made, you know, now you have the opportunity to start, you know, creating something, you know, I mean, what makes high school sports special and cool are kids playing with their friends, um, that they grew up with. And now, you know, 10 days before school starts, they all get together and start to do something together that has a purpose and a goal in mind. I mean, what, what's better than that? Um, you know, and, and, and that's uh, what we hope for more than anything. How would you kind of describe yourself as a coach? What is what is your style? Are you more you know offensive minded, defensive minded? Is have you have you changed over the course of the years? Or I mean, definitely um, you have to evolve. I was talking to a colleague this morning in the hallways at Canton High, um, just about how coaching has changed and kids have changed and just attention spans have changed and what motivates people has changed and. You have to change to be effective. Um, if I was coaching, you know, I often think, geez, I should probably apologize for some of the kids I, I coached 25, 30 <laughs> years ago. You know, I thought I modeled myself after who coached me, and I did a lot of yelling and a lot of screaming, and, you know, I thought it was very effective, and it probably was nowhere near as effective um, as I thought it was at the time. Um, but we've all, all really evolved if we're still in this game um, and found, you know, the power of positivity and, and – how to inspire kids and, and help them improve in ways that, you know, make them think a little bit more and, and not react to a yelling coach, you know. In terms of numbers at tryouts and, and participation and stuff like that, have you seen an uptick in recent years? And after a year like you had last year, a highly successful one, is there more players who, who want to play for the program? Yeah, I mean, certainly um, last year got a lot more eyes on our program. But but the rea- the reality is a sustained, successful program is going to hopefully attract more kids. And, and we've had a long period of success. We've had some down years, but uh, generally good years. I, I really think more than anything, uh, shout out to the youth coaches. I mean, I, I can track and trend our successes in ver- very closely – to who were the who were the groups that had youth coaches that made it fun, made it exciting, challenged them, and and made them stick with soccer, and like in my thirty years in Canton, I can pretty much I I could rattle off a bunch of coaches who coached them when they were in third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, who kept them interested, who kept them together, and those grades are the ones where you see you know I have classes of fifteen kids. Um, as opposed to some smaller classes. So it's really a shout-out to the youth coaches. I think that's the biggest factor, not what's happening in, on the international scene or how much soccer is on TV. That matters a, a ton, but nothing matters more, really, than who's coaching them and are they making it a great experience. You're kind of like Mr. Canton. I don't know if that's an official nickname. You 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 grew up there, right? You played there. I, I mean, you've been around this program forever. I'm sure a lot of people would challenge whether I'm Mr. Canton or not, uh, for sure. For this show's purposes, we'll but coin for this the show's purposes, I'll go with it. Um, uh, yeah, I, I did go to Canton High. Yeah. I graduated in '89. Is there extra? I mean, is there just extra incentive in you in you to to be coaching this program that you played at? That you you know you went through the the school system there. What's that like to coach there for thirty years? After yeah, that? I mean, um, I don't really remember that kid um, from thirty <laughs> years ago. I really don't. Um, I, I I really forget what motivated him, but I know um, 
I've, I know I've fallen in love with what this is, and it's very important to me, and it's very important to my family. Um, I have I have three little kids and a, and a wonderful wife who all are a very big part of Canton soccer, um, and um, you know very very fortunate. So yeah, I, I just I consider myself really lucky. I, I coach. I know a lot of people give you know. Uh, reasons why they coach to give back to to make the game better all that kind of stuff that's all true but I mean my motivation is I I just I love it I I just get so much personal satisfaction out of being a part of a team and um, you know so it's a little selfish I mean I, I I know that doesn't you don't hear that that often but I think a lot of coaches coach because they really enjoy it and they just get a lot of a lot of satisfaction out of being a part of a team and I know that's how I feel what are the goals for this season, 2022 season? Yeah, you know, I, I uh, consciously, again, gone back and forth over years about how to do goal setting with our team. Um, and right now I'm in a little bit of a zone where we don't talk about our specific goals. We talk more about the journey and, and the things we need to do uh, to be our best and to meet our potential. Um, so, I mean, I think this team has a very high ceiling, that I can say, uh, and we're excited um, we have to work for it. A lot has to go well. We, we have a very tough schedule, and um, you know. But I do, I do think um, that that we have a very high ceiling. Well, I appreciate you being here, and, and best of luck this coming season. I know it's going to be a whirlwind few months. Uh, hopefully, you guys have another long postseason run in you. But uh, best of luck going forward. That would be great. I, I want to wish luck to all the high school teams out there. Um, we're uh, we're excited to be one of them. Excellent. Thanks again to Danny Erickson for joining the podcast. I'm Matt Langoni. Thanks for listening. New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast is produced by Steve Safran and is a Siemens Media production. You've been listening to New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to our podcast. Or visit anysoccerjournal.com forward slash podcast. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful.